Welcome to the Basic Biology Podcast. With me, Charlie Blake. And me, James Conway. This week, we're introducing a new segment called the Pause for Thought segment. And in this episode, we focus on cancer and its survivability. So, we now live in a time where 50% of people now survive cancer, which is a massive increase from just 40 years ago, when only 24% of people would survive cancer. And with the new Marvel Endgame film coming out, we pose the question, are we entering a cancer endgame? We are now seeing with better treatment and awareness that morbidity and mortality of cancer is decreasing. Total cancer uh, is much lower than it was 40 years ago, although there is much variability between men and women. So cancer survival is currently higher in women than it is in men, which links to the uh, greater life expectancy for women than men. And as Charlie has already said, the survival has doubled in the last 40 years, particularly in the United Kingdom. Uh, it has increased across the globe, but in the United Kingdom, the statistic is it's been doubled. So we're actually below the European average in England, Wales and Scotland for both men and women. Around 38% of people in the UK will be diagnosed at some point in their life, and around 33% of people in the US will be diagnosed at some point in their life. But we do have an ageing population in the developed world, so... As you get older, you are more likely to develop a tumour, be it benign or malignant, um, which means that you're more likely to develop and therefore die of cancer. So although we are on the way to improving cancer treatments and survival, this may sort of plateau off. And the question we're asking today is, will there ever be a point where cancer is completely curable? So the most common forms of cancer are lung, breast, colorectal, prostate and stomach, however... These can vary from country to country. So that's enough numbers for now. Charlie's going to tell you a little bit about why we are actually surviving cancer more and more. So not only is the chance of survival much higher, but the side effects of treatment are less extreme. Uh, before, chemotherapy was a very traumatic experience. It still is in some cases, but in the majority of cases has improved. Uh, people are a lot more aware of cancer and how dangerous it is. They know what the signs are, uh, where to look for lumps. There's a lot of reasons why... You know, awareness has increased um, partly due to government schemes, partly due to the fact that it is so common amongst people that I think everyone knows someone, at least someone that's had cancer or died of cancer, unfortunately. So I think there's better communication as well between people. And also schemes being run by charities like cancerresearch.org, which um, we are getting our statistics from today. So thanks to them. Speaking of awareness, uh, there's a lot more awareness about obvious risk factors such as alcohol and smoking. Uh, we live in a world now where m more people are aware of the effects of alcohol and smoking and their connection to cancer. However, we also live in a world where the amount of people drinking excessively is increasing. However, there's also more people that are teetotal. So, you know, with a lot of cases worldwide, we're seeing things that are more polarised. Furthermore, because there are more awareness campaigns nowadays, uh, people are more aware of the effects of relapses. 
So if someone's uh, suffered from cancer before, they know the areas to check, what they what to check, what they're looking for, and when they should consult a doctor or healthcare professional. So around a hundred years ago, uh, cancer was pretty much a death sentence. Uh, if you had it, there was no way to treat it, particularly for the average person who was uh, not able to pay for those sorts of treatments. So the average working person would not even be able to really afford going to a doctor, let alone getting uh, any sort of therapies. And chemo and radiotherapies didn't really exist at that point as well. So fast forward in the UK to 1947, we had the introduction of the National Health Service or the NHS, and that uh, allowed people to access treatments who probably wouldn't have been able to in the past. So that increased the number of people actually being diagnosed with cancer because doctors were able to actually see the patients and uh, diagnose them. And that meant that people could then go on and be treated who couldn't be treated before. So I think the National Health Service, in tandem with uh, the therapies that have come along, such as chemo and radiotherapies, uh, and improvements in surgical techniques to remove tumours, has uh, brought down both morbidity and mortality of cancers. There is generally a few different types of uh, waiting times that uh, the World Health Health Organization put in place uh, for people to try and be in with the best odds of surviving. So uh, England meets the standards for the first two, but not the third. So there is the first one is a 14-day or two-week wait from diagnosis to be to seeing a professional um cancer doctor and then there is also a 31 day wait where they must receive their first treatment within so england and scotland both meet their standard for that one um northern ireland and wales do not um so obviously that's very important you've got people being diagnosed and they need, they need treatment quite quickly and the quicker you get something um treated the quicker and uh, it will go away and more likely it is to go away. And then the third one is a 62-day wait, which none of the countries in the UK meet. Uh, and that is to do with uh, follow-up treatment. So that's the first definitive treatment of cancer or uh, suspected cancer. Um, so that's obviously uh, room for improvement there. Aside from the massive improvements in traditional treatment for cancer, we are also seeing more novel treatments. Um, as a recent study in Florida, where uh, four beagles were used to sniff out lung cancer with a 97% accuracy rate. So what we're seeing is a wide range of new treatment methods and just uh, a wide range of different ideas. We've long associated dogs with being able to uh, sense when we're unwell. And this 97% is quite hard to deny. Even though it was a very small sample, it was only four dogs, although only, only three of them actually participated as one of them didn't want to. And what we can do from that point is uh, figure out what molecules uh, these dogs are actually smelling. And then you could link the expression of those molecules by the individual who has cancer uh, to, the, to the cancer itself. So we should be able to come up with molecular mechanisms rather than using dogs of detection, rather, uh, which should be able to increase diagnosis. So some more novel treatment. So there's a chemical found in broccoli called sulforaphane. Um, it's found in cruciferous vegetables, so not just broccoli, but other forms of vegetable. Uh, however, the key is to eat it raw. Boiling the broccoli can uh, destroy some of these chemicals so you don't get such a positive effect. 
Um, also, broccoli sprouts rather than broccoli itself are 100 times more effective, um, well, 100 times more potent uh, when test, look, testing for this chemical. Um, just four servings of broccoli per month can decrease the chance of mortality for bladder cancer patients by 57%. Um, and I'm not sure, although you can boil broccoli, I'm not sure if you could sort of stir fry it and that would still work. I assume it probably would, if, as long as you're not... Don't overdo it. Don't, don't fry it too it. long. Um, if you don't want to eat it raw. So we've just been using the word cancer as one disease, but really it's not one disease. It is a collection of multiple complex and very different illnesses um, which target the body in a myriad of different ways and are found at different stages and grades. So um, will there ever be a cure for cancer? I think in short there will be no single cure for cancer but we may be able to cure and treat or survive uh, individual cancers. So really we shouldn't be treating cancer as one disease even though it may have a similar mechanism in different sorts of cancers. We should treat them separate diseases when we look at treating them. Um, so I think really there's no single solution, but we've already identified a number of ways through research that we could target cancers. And it's obvious that more people are surviving now, so those do seem to be working. But we do have a long way to go with other cancers, such as uh, like the lung cancers, uh, pancreatic cancer and ovarian cancers. A lot of people do die of that. Uh, now, Lung cancers, a lot of people associate with smoking, and that is definitely true, but a lot of people do also develop them without ever having smoked. So while that may be a risk factor, there are other risk factors that we are yet to determine. So it's important that we find a cure for lung cancers because uh, for those people who haven't necessarily brought it on themselves. So yeah, as you say, there are so many different forms of cancer, um, so many different subsections of cancer. There's some forms of breast cancer, uh, certain CBD uh, derivatives can uh, help help um, to destroy cancer cells and some forms of breast cancer where it will actually have the opposite effect and can actually cause proliferation. Um, but I think that with increased awareness, uh, it depends how much, uh, how much money is spent on the issue, but with increased awareness, I think it's something that can definitely continue to decrease. We've already seen a, a massive decrease in the number of people dying um, and, you know, early diagnosis is so important to make such a big difference to the chance of survival. Um, and then I think treatments are going to get better as well. I think there's more, uh, I think governments around the world are starting to legalise uh, more chemicals that were previously banned because they weren't sure about the effects. And, you know, we're seeing in America right now with... Um, uh, cannabis and most recently with psychedelic mushrooms which were proven to uh, help with depression in cancer patients um, as similarly um, and yeah I think you know there's, there's also been lots of studies that have proven that CBD can help with, with cancer so um, I think the treatment is only going to get better it's just very important that uh, we take cancers as they are and then they're very different each cancer is very different so there's not going to be one sort of cure for everything and get all that research done as well there's no research without scientists and there's no scientists without funding so make sure if you're not a scientist make sure you fund it money so those of you 
perhaps early in your careers if you're a scientist or perhaps you're just a uh, a general citizen, not necessarily a scientist, but you're interested. You might be asking me now, why haven't we used vaccines to cure cancer? It's sorted out all, many other uh, diseases in the past. It's It's got rid of things like uh, smallpox and... Whooping cough. Yep, and uh, and measles and mumps and rubella. Uh, so why don't we use it for cancer? And the reason is is uh, that cancer is, for the most part, non-contagious. Uh, there are some cancers that such as HPV, for example, human papillomavirus, uh, that's the causative agent of cervical cancer. Which is now being vaccinated. Yep, if you're, if you're if a you're female in the UK, yep. then uh, when you're about 14, you'll have had a series of vaccines, or you may be yet to have them, uh, which will vaccinate against HPV. So if you are then exposed to it, uh, you will then be less likely to... Um, or not at all, develop the, the uh, cervical cancer, which is great, um, which already is working. Uh, the reason we can't do that with all cancers is because they're not all spread by viruses like uh, cervical cancer is with HPV. Uh, so that poses a problem. So cancer is uh, what's called a non-communicable disease, which means you can't uh, catch it for the most part, as I've said. Um, so that means that we're going to have to try and find other cures. What cancer actually is, is uh, uncontrolled uh, cell proliferation and development and division, uh, which means that we have to find ways to prevent tumours from growing and spreading, which uh, is a lot harder than just simply vaccinating. So some stuff to walk away with. Uh, most common risk factors associated with cancer are smoking, alcohol, poor diet and excessive sun exposure. So that the latter one there causes uh, melanoma, so it's cancer of the skin. So uh, leading on from that, uh, you should know... Uh, what signs to look out for if you're particularly an older person, but also if you're a younger person. Younger people aren't immune from developing cancers. So uh, with melanomas, just if you've got any weird moles that have come up after you've been exposed to the sun that you didn't have before, best to get that checked by your GP. Um, you can also go for any other cancers and their risk factors. You can go to the, the NHS website, the World Health Organization, or cancerresearchuk.org, and they've got everything listed there. So just make sure you kind of clue yourself up on the signs to watch out for, if you haven't already, uh, and make sure that you remain healthy, because we would like to keep our listeners alive, please. Yep. So any strange lumps or moles or anything like that that is out of the, the ordinary, get it checked out. Okay, so I think that brings uh, to conclusion our Endgame Cancer Special this week um so we will see you next time on the basic biology podcast i've been james conway and i'm charlie blake see you next time Bye.